Hey, what's up, friends? Welcome back to the podcast. Our guest today is Dave Stevens. So Dave, Dave is an awesome guy. He um, He's someone very curious about the ideas of creativity. And so a lot of this podcast was literally just talking about the creative process, also the, the process of that all human beings go through as we develop. So almost think this was like a very psychological slash creative kind of a bit spiritual. We didn't really talk about spirituality very much, but this was very much almost a psychological conversation from the context of a bit more of a mysterious place, a bit more of like a, what is psychology? What is creativity? What is, what does it mean to be a human being? What is, you know, why do people get midlife crises in their like, you know, mid fifties? And it's just overall, I'd say, you know, if, if someone's was to be like, okay, why should I watch this or listen to this podcast? I think I'd just say it was just a great time. Like it was just a great, there was a great vibration, just a great vibe. And me and Dave, I think out of everybody I've had on the podcast, you know, Dave is one of those people and you've seen me talk to them before where for some reason, I just like some people just open me up. You know what I mean? And, and we just get into some really fascinating headspaces. And Dave is one of those people that, that just when we get together, our minds go in unexpected directions. So, yeah, if you like the sound of that, you're going to enjoy this. So enjoy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's like one thing my dad does is he my dad's a really he's a cool guy. He's very interesting. He um, grown up he, like we were always listening to African music in the house, Indian music. We would throw these New Year's massive parties. Like my my dad, he has um, a Polish background. And so he came from this like, I think, I think he had eight siblings, seven or eight siblings, um, you know, first generation or he was the second generation Canadian. And he just, I don't know if it's cultural, I don't know if it's personality, but he loves groups. He, he loves mm group dynamics and so he would we would invite all these people over for new year's and dude he would throw the craziest parties he would like take our whole house we had this he's also a architect he's a chef he's a very creative human being and we we had this nine thousand square foot house like it was a freaking mansion dude and he would literally for these parties he would every like square foot of this house he would have like one year it was tibetan themed and everything he would switch everything to tibetan wow. theme another year it was medieval theme he would he literally bought like suits of cheap armor or something and put on the walls and you'd have these helmets and stuff and like he's just he he's a wild dude and like in his house now he has these african masks on the walls indian masks and he just he loves he loves culture and mm. and what's interesting is like if you ask him about it, you're like, oh, you know, what do you love about this thing? He won't really be able to tell you why mm. he he's like me and him are different that way. I know why I do everything I do. Like I'm extremely mm. self-aware in that way. Like I am a very I'm like a tinker. Like I. I know what influences my mood. I know what in, I know what I like. I know what I'm attracted to. Everything. I'm super inwards focused. My dad, he's much more instinctual. Like he's much more. He's like, I don't know why I have all this stuff, but it feels right when like he's the kind of guy. He walks like through a store, Costco, and he just like he just picks it up. 
like me, I'm like, okay, do I want this? Why do I want this? I go through this whole thing. He's like, he'll just pick up the, the helmet for no reason. He'll pick up this random thing. And he's just, he's an adventurous. Like when we look at like numerology, he's a number five. So he's like okay. the variety adventure guy. And the reason why I'm bringing all this up is because you asked me about this shirt. And this is actually a shirt that my dad randomly picked up one day. And he's and then he just like came over and he's like, hey, do you want this shirt, Anton? Like he does this all the time. Like he'll buy these like wacky shirts, like crazy shirts and just stuff. And he'll just be like, hey, do you want this? I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's just sure and then people like you are like oh it's a cool shirt i'm like yeah, i can't yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't take the uh the blame for that cool idea <laughs> yeah your dad sounds like a fascinating fellow um and i'm always amazed that people who who are like super observant and kind of very quickly know what they like or know what they want but it's kind of eclectic right this eclectic mix of things that they find and they just kind of fill their lives with it it is fascinating that my wife's like that she uh we have a house full of eclectic things and i think i would never have chosen that this shirt as well by the way is uh, my wife got it for me <laughs> oh dude it's the best <laughs> yeah all the cool things i wear my wife got for me but she's got a very cool just like your dad like very fast sharp eye mm, and then builds up kind of things around that you know Mm, do you and I find this really interesting too because like you know I feel like when you're younger you you don't think about relationship dynamics and you don't think about attraction and polarity and all this stuff and you know because like when I was in high school I remembered like I was always trying to be somebody to be more attractive to girls and I was trying to fit in with these social cliques and I thought that if I was like people like if I if I was more similar to a girl, she would find me more attractive. And what as you get older, you realize that's literally the opposite, that there's this like a built-in foundational mechanism of attraction where mm. you are more attractive to the girl the more different you are than her. And so yeah, it's like you yeah. get someone like you, and the reason I'm bringing this up is, you know, you're telling me, you're like, yeah, I wouldn't do any of this stuff, but it's my wife. And my my wife is the the how would how would you describe the differences between you and your wife? Jeez, uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I would even start with a question like that. Um, I mean, you know, it, it, ironically, like we have a, a very similar a creative vibe. You know, um, she's she's. Um, it's interesting. She's infinitely better at creativity than me. Like if you had to mark us, if you had to, mm. if, if we had to do things and show it to you, you'd say, ah, oh, that one's better than that one. It'll always be hers. But I have a lot more natural proficiency to be creative. So, so I just want to be creative. I don't care what the outcome is. Whereas she is better at being creative, but worries about what the outcome is going to look like. And so, and so it battles to get started. You know, that's one of the, the very interesting uh, differences. So where her creativity comes out, it's kind of like your dad, is she cooks amazingly, you know, um, but but she's got this inbuilt kind of, that's her, her creativity kind of finding its way out. Whereas I can't cook at all, man. Like this morning I panicked because I had to heat up some, I had to heat up some food. I didn't have to cook. I just had to heat it up. Like, <laughs> how, how do we do this? But but um, on, on the more artistic side, uh, I kind of get in very quickly. Um, you know, if I've got to write or play music or I go very quickly, 
into it. Um, so it's, it's a very, that's one very interesting dynamic I've noticed. So, so her creativity comes out in almost the everydayness. When she goes shopping, she buys creative shirts, she buys creative things for the walls. You know, she's got a great eye. Um, I don't have that kind of eye, but creatively, uh, I'm, 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 I'm into the actual art very, very quickly. Are you, would you consider yourself a very structured, disciplined person by nature or go with the flow and easygoing? Ah, oh, it's a great question. Um, you know, it's a great question. I just have, I just want to share a very quick journey on that because I don't yeah, know how go to for it, this, man. But the, the, the journey is I was notoriously late up until the age of 25. And then I, I went on a course, a very expensive course, uh, not about lateness, about something else. But one of the, the ground rules of the course was you're, you're never late for a session. And if anyone out of the 12 people is late for a session, the course is canceled. They'll actually Whoa. keep your money, but but it's a, it's a rule that you had to negotiate up front. None of us negotiated. We all said we can keep this rule. And within the first hour of the course, after a break, someone was late. And they said, you know the rules, man. And they kept our money. And and I and I walked away. I didn't walk away angry. I walked away thinking, well, I learned a very important lesson. And literally, I'm very rarely late these days. Now, on the flip side, my wife is is notoriously late. Um and so we have this weird dynamic, but I, I learned my I learned my, my my time presence. So I'm actually an easygoing guy. I was naturally up to that age of 24, I was going with the flow, but I've, I've had to learn to keep on time. And I have to share this with you. I, uh, at the age of maybe like 20, 23, 24, I took a year off to write my novel. I was going to be a novelist. And I took this year off and I didn't work and I had saved up some cash. And I think I wrote one chapter I had all this time on my hands and I, I never found time to write because I was always doing other things. The moment I, I found that I was disciplined about my time, my creativity flourished because then I said, right, you've got half an hour and you better write for half an hour. And that's what I do these days. I have these, I chunk these pockets of time. Otherwise I'd never be creative. So I'm naturally easygoing, but I've learned a discipline of, uh, of time, of, of, um, you know, um, be, being present around how much you've got to work with and what you can achieve in that time. That's, that's fascinating. Um, cause it, it's really interesting because I went through a very similar experience in my life because I was also, you know, I was the lazy one in my family. I was the, yeah. Um, what's interesting about me is that like, I was a really, you know, bad student. I was expelled twice, suspended probably 20 times, all before the eight, the grade five. Grade five is when I, I, wow. I wouldn't even say I got my, my shit together. My shit happened to get together somehow. I like, maybe it was just, just, I finally got broken down by the system or whatever. But what was really interesting is that while I was always kind of lazy and I still, believe it or not, I still consider myself, lazy is not the right word. Um, I am, there's a certain rebellious nature to me in that mm -hmm. I literally, I defy the things I'm not inspired to do. I'm actually, I think that's actually a better way of putting it. I thrive on passion. Passion mm -hmm. and inspiration is the cornerstone of my existence. Um, it's what I do every day with my job. It's my podcasts. It's my YouTube videos. It's my friendships. It's my relationships. I will not be in a relationship with another partner unless like I am like, yes, 
You know what I mean? Like, I feel like some people, they settle, they, 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 you know, I, people even tell me, they're like, like, it, it doesn't even make sense to me, the idea of settling on anything, on in anything in life that yeah. I'm just like, what do you mean you settled? And the problem with that when you're growing up, I feel, is that until you realize what your value to the world is, if you're not going to play by the world's rules, what are you going to do? You're going to be on your chair playing video games all day. But the moment you figure out your unique contribution to the world, you're unbeatable because then it's like you found it. So when I was 20 years old in university, not knowing who I was, where to apply my creativity, where to apply my passion, I was just a guy who's defying everything and lazy and wasn't turning anything in because I had nothing to work towards. There was no mm. there's actually nothing I wanted to do with my life. Mm. I, I was mm. going to be a teacher because when I was in high school someone was like you'd be a good teacher and I was like I don't know what I want to do so I'll be a teacher. And so I just like I was that classic like I hated studying. Mm. all this stuff just i i again the, the rebel archetype is like deep in me i just i don't like that but the interesting thing is i am now likely probably one of the most disciplined people if, if you were to put me in like your five most disciplined friends i'd probably be in that category i'm extremely mm. routine driven disciplined but again i chose the framework if someone was like, oh, you were going to like if I was in the military, that'd be tough for me, because, again, it's like when I have to abide by someone else's rules, when I'm not passionate about what I'm committing to, I get lazy because I just defy it. And then I go. And if I don't have an outlet as an alternative, you know, I'm someone that I can probably get into video games and I, I will find something to kind of take my time away. So it's interesting that like I feel like human beings sometimes we are layers and layers of different archetypes and things that culminate in a facade that on the surface we think we understand and we think we can nail in other people, but really it's far more complicated. Because when the way that you described yourself and your wife, there's certain commonalities on the surface, but I'm sure if we actually broke down your psyches, they'd be very different. And while they culminate in a similar behavior, the reasoning behind the behavior, the insecurities, the traumas, the, the fears, all these things are probably unique but how they all come together is they appear kind of similarly on the surface you know what i mean mm. yeah well, i mean look you, <laughs> there's a number of very very cool things that you've said there um and and firstly thanks for sharing your journey i think we're very similar in um in our journeys because I, I uh I, I also i wasn't an outwardly rebellious person but i was never going to follow you know i was never going to follow the rest through through the the gates into the field right I was always going to kind of find my own way and ironically I found myself in the field but I, I didn't get told how to get there I found my own way there it took a bit longer I stumbled a lot along the way um found myself in very you know situations where I thought how am I going to get out of this um so and 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 it, it's interesting I, I, if I can take a quick sidestep but on the same point you know People are, my daughter's five and they're saying, oh, does she do this? And I say, why should she do this at this age? And they say, well, that's developmentally, that's what they've said you should be doing. And I said, well, she doesn't, you know, and, and I, she's not backwards developmentally. It just means that in, in that context of rules, she hasn't done that, but she does this. Now, 
can can your kids do this? No, they don't do this. Oh, interesting. So basically, what we have is unique people who who have unique ways of engaging the world, and and I don't think we get given enough time to engage the world, and that's so so it's almost like. Um, you know, if I just talking about our story, we, we decided we were going to engage the world in our terms. And we, we got to the same place, but we did it. We found our way there. And I think that's very important. Um, I, well, I, I feel it's, it's an important part that potentially can get lost. Um, and and it, it's interesting with my, my wife and me, because, because, you know, what you've peeled black, back are a number of layers um, that find ourselves at the same point. But I think those layers, um, you know, what am I passionate about at the moment? One of the things is this idea of the human becoming, right? The, 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 and, and it's interesting. My daughter goes to a Waldorf school, so I'm really getting entrenched in anthroposophical learning. And it, exactly. So to your point, you know, there's, there's, there's 10 layers of, of the, the human experience, and the, the layers that we've we've talked about so far are really from from level six down to ten. So so we've got we've got five layers above or four layers above, and we think well what are in those layers? Because we're talking about karmic uh, karmic uh, karmic experience, uh, soul experience, spiritual experience, and there's all of that. And I and I feel you know and I don't maybe we don't go too much into that today. Or but I do feel my wife and I have a have a, a deep experience that's not just of of us being born in this planet at this time um i, I think and whether whether it's it's um you know uh it's it's purely just in the in the the ether of our thoughts you know because you could be biological and say well we're just born we die and that's it we go back to the earth and that's okay but i think there there, there is power in our thoughts and my wife and i we, we our our radar is receiving the same you know we're on the same radio channel um and we're receiving the same ideas at the same time. So we, we kind of in step. I, I hope it always lasts. <laughs> Who knows when we start to receive different stations, we might uh, start to kind of split a bit. But right now, we, we're really on the same um, channel. And, and, that, and it's almost like that one I don't want to unpack, you know. Um, we, we've unpacked our, our life journeys and we kind of gone into the deeper side of things and we've done our time as, as a couple and... But um, there's 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 this thing of wonder that uh, that almost like we 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 we're being buzzed the same way by by whatever's buzzing us the cosmos the the ether I don't know um, and that's and that's you know I'd like to say that's lucky but maybe there's more to it than luck. Um, yeah, I, I I know what you mean, and and also is is a really interesting comment you made about you don't want to unpack it. Because I think that's kind of like a lesson I, I've been learning in the last three months, actually. It's really recent, maybe even two months. Is, yeah, this idea of, like, um, acquiring knowledge. Because, like, mm. for my entire life, I've been very, you can call it obsessed, passionate. I'm, I'm a learner. I'm always plugged into podcasts and psychology podcasts, spiritual podcasts. Like, I'm just, I love learning. And what I've realized, and I just actually had this epiphany the other day, is that when I look at my journey with every single thing I've ever wanted to learn about, this could be literally picking up a game like Magic the Gathering and not knowing how it works 
and and the mystery of the game in the infinite possibilities of how you can play it because you don't know how to play it yet. Mm. And because you don't know the rules, because there are no rules yet, there is this vast expanse of infinite possibilities. I can put this card down, then I can put this card. And then what and then what's funny is that then I got really interested in learning the game because I'm obsessed with that game. I love it. So then I started listening to interviews with the head designers, the creators, the ideas behind it. And what was interesting is that while I was almost addicted to learning about how this game works, what I noticed is as that pulled me through, my actual passion for the game slowly dwindled. And, and I've learned a lot about it, and I still love the game. Don't get me wrong. I It's my favorite game ever. But when I think about the emotional attachment I had to it now versus when I first learned about it, it was definitely more mysterious, awe-inspiring, inspirational. It was literally more fascinating when I didn't know anything about it. And the reason why I bring this up is I feel like this is actually the same with everything. When I first started learning about spirituality and mysticism and Eastern mysticism and and all of these different traditions, it was like, wow, I'm entering into a universe that could go everywhere. And, and because of that, I feel like almost the storytelling apparatus in our own brains, we start writing stories about what this thing could be. And we write series of epic tales and ideas and in a million infinite different directions. And then you start learning about Ram Dass and Sadguru and Paul Check and Alan Watts. And you start zeroing in on the people that actually can teach you something, the people that actually know something about it. Mm-hmm. And as you learn more about it, you become more confident. You become more of a teacher archetype. You're able to help other people. You're able to be of more service to the world. But what I've realized is that as you learn about it, I almost feel like the passion for the very thing starts to dwindle and start, you start to become complacent in the, Oh yeah, I know that I know. Oh, oh, like psychic mediums. Oh yeah. I know the science of that. I know how it works. And it's like what this one thing where it's like, Oh my God, psychics. Whoa. What is that? What are the possibilities? You start off there like a child, like the, the innocence and the pure passion, inspiration of child. And you end up getting into, Oh yeah, I know the answer. And then you, when you talk to people, you're at, you actually don't really care about what they're telling you because you already know the answer. So what am I getting from talking to you other than connecting with other human being? I'm not learning anything because I already know everything. And even if I do learn something, well, it's kind of just plugging into my existing framework. So I'm not really, I'm not, when you don't know about something, you don't have a framework. You don't have anything to plug into because there is nothing to plug into. You don't know. You don't even know where to start. You don't know the you don't know what the shape of the final product is. It's mm-hmm. it's just a blank kind of a mass. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. And this is all back to your comment of you've understood an aspect of why you and your wife click, but you almost don't want to know actually the nuts and bolts because i'm putting words in your mouth here but perhaps is it because that very thing like if you actually knew everything about you and your wife you would kind of in some sense almost take each other for granted and you would maybe have almost an arrogance of 
your appreciation for each other. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, I mean, again, you've said so many things that I want to, if I could touch base on. <laughs> yeah, go for um, it, man. Go on an adventure. <laughs> um, but in answer to your question, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly that. I mean, and maybe, maybe even go like kind of one level up um, a little bit simpler, but it's, it's this idea of it's working and we're happy. Um, so, so I don't need to know it, you know, um, you know, it's, it, it's working and I'm, um, so why do I need to unpack the inner mechanics? But to your point, exactly that, you know, and I, and I feel we, we kind of dilute the wonder. I mean, I love your example of, of unpacking that game because once you, once you unpack it and, and it's, it's, it's kind of the human condition, you know, we get bored with things. Um, and so, so you've got this thing that you're really excited about and then you unpack it. And then when you unpack it, you, now it's not so exciting. And then you can get bored with it. Um, and, and then you think, okay, so now you know how it works, but the, the kind of excitement's been taken away. So it, it's the same in, in the relationship. You know, it works. The, the, the things that we, we do need to keep a handle on, we do. You know, the real, the, the real everydayness of it. But th- this deeper thing, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I'm, I'm misquoting Einstein, so uh, but I wish <laughs> there's a there's a quote of Einstein's where he he kind of at the end of his career he he said you know we we've really unpacked everything but the one thing that keeps this whole universe spinning is love. And he was like we never we could never like really get to the bottom of that one. Um, there's a great letter he wrote or someone wrote so I'm, I'm really out of context here but uh, but but it's it's almost like you don't want to unpack the wonder of love and, and we continuously try to but I think once we do it's just going to become another thing we're bored with, you know? Um, but it, you said something so great. And, and I, I want to just re- refer back to a t-shirt that I saw the other day. Um, this guy had a t-shirt on and it said, and it's completely me, but it said, great dad, shit parent. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, that's me. I'm a great dad and a shit parent. But actually I'm also, it, it's, it's the same with, with how I take up learning. I'm a great learner. But I'm a shit academic, you know. I, I don't want. I don't want to. You know. Y- yes, I'd love to at some point have a PhD in something or a master's in something. I mean, those are aspirational. But but it doesn't mean that my learning stopped. I, I, I'm my uh, my senses are open, um, and it's a big part of creativity. You know, you got to you got to keep filling that well. Um, you don't have to. You don't have to be an expert. At what you're filling it in you just have to be interested in things you have to be curious right um so that makes me a great learner but i'm a really shit academic you know to sit down for five or six years on one topic and really unpack it it's it's hard for me um you know i've gone that route and i've and i've got uh, you know uh, some uh, like an honors and ever behind my name and some other things but but it's it's hard work for me and it's it's uh, it's a real slog you know and parenting by the way is a real slog <laughs> being being a dad is great because that's where the fun sits and the you know the the enjoyment but this parenting discipline and it's a hard work um and i find the same with you know almost that, that's where i find creativity creativity's got to sit of course you've got to have some of the academics behind it but i, I feel it's it's not in that space um and and sometimes i get maybe this is my archetype of like yours the kick but I struggle to have debates with people because they're just too clever for me. And, and I think, well, I just want to be creative. I don't care what it means. 
I don't care where it sits in my brain. I, I, I know some of that stuff, but what I care about is being creative. That's what I care about. There's a human becoming. I care about being creative. Um, so I really, I really struggle in in the the kind of intellectualizing of of something that uh, can be intellectualized, but for me, the, the the greatness of it can can potentially be kind of undermined. Yeah, I I, I know. I think I, I I'm not going to say I know what you mean because I don't think we ever really know what each other means. But um, yeah, you said an interesting thing there. You're like you you don't like debating, and I find that really interesting because I also used to hate debating because I was really bad at it, and. I have a hypothesis. I don't know if this is actually true. And I think there's two kind of reasons why someone could be not very good at debating. There's mm. actually m- multiple, but some I've come up with a couple. The first is you just don't know the knowledge. Like your knowledge base is lesser than the other person's. Um, mm. that's, that's obvious. Another one is processing speed. Again, pretty obvious. Um, some people just seem to have a quicker microprocessing chip in their brain. Like they can pull information quicker. Like I... Again, I don't want to put myself into a box, but what I've noticed about myself over the last 26 years is that I it seems like my processing chip is a bit slower than the average person. Mm. Um, and a lot of people wouldn't pick that up because they're like, oh, you're a really quick thinker. And I would say it's not actually necessarily that I'm good at picking up information from disparate areas very quickly. It's that I have built a framework for how I think the universe works and everything I interact with i plug that into the framework and go does this make sense yes no if it if it makes sense i introduce it to the framework i i make that framework that painting a bit more three-dimensional a bit more sharp it, it helps me kind of helps me interact with the world a bit now that's partially a crutch because by building a framework i actually stop viewing the world as it is i view the world as through my framework lens which is a pro and a con and I've become so good at plugging things. I've become so good at building a framework that I, it's not necessarily hard for me to pick information from places because I don't really need to. When someone asks me a question, I just look at my framework. I know what the framework is and I go, does that make sense? How would this interact with my framework? I can do that like that. That's really quick. So I can think on my feet very quickly. But if someone actually was like trying to ask me trivia, oh, Terrible trivia. My God. Like if I can't piece it into a framework, it takes a while for my brain to go, oh yes, and fold folder four B. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Now the third thing that I realize is some people are bad at debating. My mom is in this category. I'm definitely in this category. You might be in this category. In that really open thinkers, I feel can sometimes have a difficulty with debating because a lot of people are closed thinkers. Meaning when they get into a conversation, they're actually not necessarily open to what the other person is saying and they have their prepackaged idea. And when they are in a conversation with you, their number one thing is just, I'm going to convert my idea and make this person believe it. Um, They're not really like, oh, I wonder what they think about this. A lot of people have a closed off aura that way. They're just kind of like, okay, I'm here to prove I'm right, prove to myself I'm right, prove to someone else I'm right, prove to society I'm right, whatever. And when you get really open people like me who actually come into conversations like with you right now and I'm completely open, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to fully connect with Dave. 
and we're going to go in some fun directions. He's going to go. He's going to take us northeast. I'm going nor- northeast with Dave. Then I'm going to take us <laughs> south and we're, we're together on a journey. And to, part of being together on a journey is that we're open to where the next person wants to make the next right or left in the journey. Now, the problem with debating when you're that kind of person is every time someone throws a red herring at you or tries to throw you off your game, tries to lowball you, you actually are open enough to try to go with the red herring. And then you end up getting spiraled out of control and they're, they're laughing in their head like, oh, this guy doesn't even know what he's talking about. And then you're like, well, I actually I trusted your red herring enough to actually think about it. Where then if you throw them a red herring, they're like, nah, not taking it. I already know what I believe. Here's my rebuttal. And so I do notice that's one thing. Really open people I notice can sometimes have a harder time debating because they actually are almost too open for the de- the debate framework to like work in this like volleying badminton tennis kind of back and forth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I look, uh, <laughs> you, you, there might be many reasons, but those three reasons, I'll take them all. They, they, <laughs> they're all mine. Uh, I'm, uh, my, my ideas come to me slowly. Um, I, um, I, I'm, I'm, I, if there's a red herring, I follow that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Me too, um, man. Me too. I've had to learn how to stop following people's red herrings that they know they're only throwing at me to throw me off. I'm yeah, too exactly. trusting. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then, and then definitely, I mean, my, you know, there's my framework and, um, and, 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 and I suppose that all, all of that, all the bias and everything sits in that framework as well. So, um, but it's, you know, so it's interesting as you were talking, I was also thinking there's, there's one other thing, and this is going to come across as potentially very selfish. Um, but, but I've kind of, I, I thought about this thing debates and, and, and I, and don't get me wrong, when I was in my 20s and 30s, because I'm not there anymore, I, I would I would bite at anything, you know. You oh, could me just too, man. And I would bite and off I'd go and get myself into trouble. Um, because because exactly that, you, you you can talk and you can talk and then you actually find yourself, you've talked your, yourself with your own views into, into a corner and then you're in a trouble situation. So, uh, but what, what, so kind of unpacking this idea of, of, a, of a debate I think what am I debating on? You know, um, of course my viewpoints are skewed by my framework. Of course I have my biases. I work really hard at trying to look at them, but like everyone, my, my script, my narratives have come from a long time ago. Um, but but there's there's certain things, and you said something earlier about really being kind of. You didn't use the word values, but you know you talked about going into a relationship and saying, why would I settle? I, I know I know what I really want, and so let me let me be present to that, you know. Um, and it's the same for me. I, I know I know I've I've been on a journey. I, I know what I like and what I enjoy. And now I've got to get into a debate with someone, and I know what I like and enjoy. And yeah, I can hear your viewpoints. I can hear. I don't have to just speak to you about your viewpoints. And so I'm 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 more open to just listen. Um, that's been my that's been my kind of as best I can my mantra for the last couple of years is okay I'm getting hooked here and I'm going to get into some kind of like emotional debate which is terrible because we're both closed then it went to in emotions you both closed and so so I'm going to get so let me just if I can really listen to their point it doesn't mean I have to condone whatever it, it just means I have to listen that's been my real journey so I 
I rather, you know, I prefer not debating. I prefer listening if I can, because I still get hooked and I still get triggered. And the second thing to that is, is almost, um, and again, going back to this concept of creativity, but I think arrogantly, but I know I'm, I'm, there's one thing I'm an expert in. It's me. (laughs) Really, I'm an expert at me. I'm really good at me. You know, I know when I'm off the wagon, on the wagon, I know I, I say to my wife, I had a bad parenting day today and I did these things. You know, <laughs> I, I know, I know, you know, I know myself and, and I do have blind spots. I'm not saying I'm, I, I know myself that well, but I've got my wife to point them out and I hate it when she does, um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I've got to get into a debate with someone. And what I'm really debating is what, well, but I, the one thing I'm really true on is myself. So, um, I have to just share with you what the pandemic has taught me is that nothing is sacrosanct, you know, nothing like any idea, you've got to be open to that idea being totally wrong, you know? Um, and this is why when, when, when I find people getting on their soapboxes in, in the pandemic, I'm like, okay, you seem very sure that this is right. And yet every day there's new information, there's new ideas, there's new thoughts, there's new someone coming up with something. So I've worked, I'm, I'm working. I'm saying I work like I've got it right. I'm I'm trying to get it right. That whatever idea I have, just hold that it could be wrong. But I'll tell you something. One thing I know is not wrong is creativity. We 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 were all born with it. It is a it is a birthright. And um so, so if someone, you know, if it, I will get into a debate where someone says we don't have creativity, I'll say, okay, that's like saying, you know, we don't have um anything, passion we don't have lungs you know so but yeah the debate thing is is and I, by the way you've captured really well because i'm all three of those <laughs> I, often, I often walk away thinking what you know it'll, it'll wake up at night literally sometimes going why didn't you say that yeah man oh dude no 100 yeah. and um i i want to ask you a question uh hmm. Respectfully, I have a question for you. So you said that the one thing you will debate somebody on is whether or not we have creativity. Now, my question to you is, why would you even debate with somebody? Why, like, why do you care what, what they think about creativity? Uh, it's a great question. Um, why do I care? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah, let me just say so why I care about it. Because... because um, Currently, we, we I'm going to talk like I know about the world, but it, it seems like a lot of things are in the increase. You know, so the work that I'm in, we, we work with um, wellness in the workplace. Let's just I'm broadly capturing it, um, emotional intelligence, things like that. But what we're seeing is is um, there's a rise in in mental health issues. There's a rise in um, in people feeling there's there's of meaninglessness and i think many mm. people arrive at a crisis of meaning around about the 40 50 stage uh, i feel i've i've arrived there I'm, I'm in a bit of crisis of meaning really yeah and it's and it's i think it's natural you know you 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 get to a stage where you 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 go well why am, why am i doing this retirement doesn't really answer the question right um you're doing it to retire and and, and some people can sit with that answer and that's great i can't uh, i don't believe in retirement so so i'm at the stage where it's a crisis of meaning and the meaning is why are we doing it and you know why, why do we get up every day and just go to something we don't enjoy like a like a workplace or we you know there's many iterations of this 
And the, 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 the one place I always turn that keeps me from spiraling is being creative. And mm. what I have to be very careful of is not being creative in a comparison. I have to be creative in a vacuum. I have to realize that it's just me and I'm not doing it to impress anyone. I'm not doing it to, you know, um, show off to my wife. Although sometimes I do, I do have a place. I do have a place. I show it to the world, but it's my place. And I tell the world, if they're interested, I'm not trying to do it to win affection. I'm not putting it on Facebook. I'm not, now people can do it any way they want, but creativity for me is the answer. It's not the only answer, but it's an answer. You know, anyone who says, um, yeah, no, man. It's it's. Uh, I haven't reached a crisis of uh, crisis of meaning, and it's all about re retirement. The, the one question I have them is, do you have a hobby? Yeah, yeah, I got a hobby. What is it? Gardening. Well, <laughs> there's your answer. There's there's always an outlet, and I think people when they don't have an outlet, that's when we're in trouble. And I, and my, my fear, you 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 asked the question of me a while back, and you said something that I'm least confident in, and I. What I'm most confident in is that we never lose our creative spark. I'm confident that we always have it in us. We'll never, it's never totally squashed. But what I'm least confident in is the spaces that allow us to actually access the spark are dwindling. So I'll give an example. Um, I'm finished work. I'm tired. What's going to energize me more? Watching something on Netflix or playing my guitar? Now, I can tell you the answer. It's playing my guitar but it's so easy to go to Netflix. And I'm not saying don't go to Netflix and, and veg out there. Of course, you need to re recuperate. But if you find yourself, you, some people are, literally have gone, I've watched everything on Netflix. I'm like, how? How did you do that? <laughs> and I know how you did that. Not a knock on them, but they just couldn't get up off the couch. They were just too tired. So I force myself to get up off the couch and go play that guitar. And then I find that actually... I actually, and this is my wife and I, we commented this last night. We haven't watched Netflix in two months. Really? Not wow. one thing. So we're a bit out. People at the work will say, hey, have you seen this show? This show? We say, hey, I haven't watched anything. But but now it's gotten to the point where last night um, we, we got out some, we bought some modeling clay. And my daughter, my wife, and me, and then my daughter went to bed. My wife carried on. We modeled clay. And it was just the best thing. I, I made this manga character. She made it this beautiful, you know, she was better than me, obviously. <laughs> but, but, and it's not to say, I don't want to say this is, this is the, the kind of um, enlightenment point you reach or whatever. I'm just saying we, we, we found us, we, we, we had a really creative evening and we were energized by it and we were excited to get back to it. Um, and I, so back to my point is I feel those spaces of where we can actually find our creative spark is dwindling. Because it, our attention is being drawn to too many places. Um, I, I, I literally, um, I'm going to share something I shouldn't share on on uh, on a podcast, but I will. I have my Al Bundy moments in the morning. You know, the 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 washroom is your throne kind of moment, and and you have that five minutes gap, right? And and so what do you do that gap? So so you you I found myself Facebooking, and and doing nothing. So I literally put a book of poetry there and keep my phone out and I, I read a poem a day and it's wonderful. It's really good, but I have to force myself because otherwise that gap, that opportunity. Now, now I read poetry. I think I could write something better than this. So I'll go and do it. But the, the point is I'm in the movement of creativity. Whereas I think when, when, when our attention has been drawn by the phone, by the TV, by we, we, we lose those moments. And as we get older, they become less and less. 
I, I don't know if I'm capturing it. Clearly, oh, 100%. You, you just completely kind of in, inspired something in me there. Um, because I've been very aware of this this last year. Um, I notice how the rhythms of creativity, the rhythms of our own consciousness can be hijacked by things. And how hijacking That's isn't it. – it's not that it's bad. Hijacking doesn't mean bad. It just means literally – Something has taken like you, let's say you have your own vibration, right? And left, if, if left to your own devices, your own vibration will kind of take you in this direction most of the time. And obviously we're creative beings. We have a lot of potential. We can go anywhere, but we seem to have these certain frequencies and momentums and rhythms in our lives just from our innate who we are. I notice, like, so if I leave it to myself, I'll kind of... You know, I might end up playing guitar. I might end up playing drums. I might end up thinking a certain thing. I might end up creating something if left to my own devices. I notice that the moment I go on YouTube, YouTube hijacks my momentum and hijacks my focus and turns me into this direction. Not saying that direction is better or worse. It just, it literally shifts the direction that my consciousness, my momentum was flowing. And so I notice, like, let's say I wake up and I wake up and I'm thinking about a new strategy for, for YouTube, like a creative. I'm like, oh man, like, okay, what if I put it, implement a system where people can interact with the content this way? And then I'm, 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 I'm snowballing, I'm getting all these cool ideas. And then I go, okay, I'm going to go on YouTube and look up an idea about this. I open up the YouTube app. The YouTube front page is a genius because they have their friggin' AI algorithms. <laughs> and I see this video about how to make stuffed gnocchi or something, right? And then I there's a part of me that wants to make that. So I click on it. Next thing you know, if I stayed with that original momentum, that original thought when I woke up by 12 p.m. noon, I would be here. I would be doing this thing. I probably would be implementing that thing. But because my consciousness got hijacked on YouTube, 10 minutes after I woke up, I ended up at 12 noon here. Mm -hmm. Not saying it's better or worse. It's just in a different place. And I noticed that every day, every moment is a series of moments. Every day is a series of moments. And every moment, it's like there's almost this like, yeah, you're going in a direction. And then everything that comes in and in a lot of the time, your own direction is pretty consistent. But when YouTube and Facebook and your friends could call you up, your your mom could want you, your daughter could come in and every single one of those different things outside of you, it's like every stimuli in your environment literally shifts the direction that you're now going to be taken. And then let's say I take I watch a YouTube channel. Um, for 20 minutes and that's taking me down one focus. But then my friend Christian calls me and he, and he, we start having a creative conversation. Now I'm calling in that direction. And I notice that throughout the day, if you actually think about your day, moment to moment, you were like this, you're boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, Facebook, YouTube, yourself, creativity, guitar, like in it. And everything is competing for that momentum. And everything is shifting that momentum in a different direction. And if it has you, if you're on YouTube for too long, that YouTube momentum will just drive you down. Like now you're in another town, the YouTube town. You know what I mean? You've went fully into that town. And I've noticed like, okay, I need to um, protect my own momentum. 
like, and that's one thing I'll do is I won't, <laughs> sometimes I slip, but I do my best to what I'll try to do on you, like in the morning or something is I'll try to stay in a creative headspace for as long as I can without out, outside stuff. And I love the poetry thing. I think I actually might take you up on that and bring a book in the washroom or something. But I'm like, cause I'm like, I know that again, I'm a very kind of open person in some sense. My vibration is quite open, quite creative, quite flowing. Mm-hmm. And I, it's quite easily actually to shift the focus of my momentum. And so I have to be very aware of what I allow into my focus. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 You, you've said it so well because, you know, uh, the, the way I'm talking, I'm, I'm just talking about disciplines that I've created for myself, but I am a, um, a thought slob basically <laughs> like uh if i if i don't if i don't corral my thoughts um you know when i say we haven't watched netflix that doesn't mean that i can't follow a thread on youtube and i'm a big fan of uh comedy so i can watch one piece of stand-up that's five minutes and i think just one more one more yeah oh, next dude, yeah. Thing, yeah next thing i'm 20 minutes um down the line and, uh, and and you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. As you said, there's nothing wrong with being hijacked by that. I'm also very aware of my body in terms of uh, my energy. If if I, you know, there's all there's ultradian rhythms through the day. You 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 have these highs and lows, and then I feel there's ultradian rhythms through the month. You, you know, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not positive and energized every second of the month. There's going to be lows. When I'm low, I don't feel like being creative. Um, I don't, I don't have that kind of, uh, you know, if I do, if I am creative in the low, I'm actually drawing on reserve energy. It's not very good. I have to fill it up. Interesting. In the lows, I'm I'm okay to say, just veg out, man. Just watch a little bit of YouTube, watch something that inspires you. Watch something that, that you kind of just, it's, 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 you know, it's slush and in it goes. And so I'm very aware one of, of, um, when there's when there's a creative peak, use it. And when it's a low, don't beat yourself up too much about it. But you've said a number of very, very important things for me. Um, because the the other thing is um, that I wanted to mention, I'm just trying to capture how I was going to say it. I, I think I'll just use a word, but what I do is I, there's there's integrity. And integrity is, for, for me, my definition of it is, is doing what you say you're going to do by when you're going to say you're going to do it. So... What I do is I set myself uh, creative tasks for the week. Um, you know, you, 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 you can't be a novelist unless you write a novel. Um, so, so you better write if you want to say I'm a novelist. Um, so, so I say four times a week, write for half an hour. Now, in the world of some great novelists, how, how can you write a novel in two hours a, uh, a week? Well, that's all I've got. So that's what I'm going to do. But, but then I hold myself accountable. And... and the, the, the time can tick. So you don't do any writing Monday, you don't do any writing Tuesday. You get to Wednesday and now you say, well, I've got to find two hours. And what your brain magically does is it says, well, we'll find those two hours on the weekend. They'll, they'll yeah. arrive somewhere. Actually, how I found what, what works best for me is half an hour, four times a week. And ideally <clears throat> what I do is I say Monday to Thursday, half an hour of writing. Why Monday to Thursday is because when I get to Friday night, it's lovely to just put on the YouTube and just surf a few comedy things and not have to worry that I haven't met my targets. So I give myself targets. It's the same with playing. I'm trying to learn to play, uh, not trying to, I'm learning to play keyboard and I do 40 minutes a week, but that's 10 minutes a day, Monday to Thursday. And so it's an easy achievable task. 
And and what I do know is at the end of a week, uh, I'm quite hard on myself, not not giving myself a hard time, but I say, you know, almost like a, a team leader would tell someone in their team, you didn't meet your targets this week. I didn't meet my targets this week. Uh, and so let's regroup for the next week. So where that helps is I find myself getting pulled into the YouTube, into the channel and off I go. And then I think, gee, if, if I watch, I might watch for another 10 minutes. There's my 10 minutes of the piano. So just get to the piano. Just go there now, do your 10 minutes. And it's always interesting with creativity is once you start it, once you start your hobby, once you start your passion, you just got to get it going, right? Then you don't want to let it go. Then you, once you're in, you're in. You know, it's just it's just the timeless of the beginning. It's always difficult. I I, I agree, and and cre- creativity is a yeah, it's it's an elusive mystery. And and, and as we talked about, I, I I like to keep it that way. I, I like to, yeah. and you know, it is like you know, I it is in my nature to seek that. That is just the way I'm wired. I I, I have a fascination for knowledge and. Sometimes, like I said, I would, I almost want to say it's beyond fascination. I almost want to say it's obsession because mm. um, I actually think it might be kind of obsession. I, I think that a lot of people are very, com- yeah, drawn to it. it, it it's very interesting because, again, we I don't think we think about what it leads to. Like I said, again, like every piece of knowledge you learn um, cr- like it dissolves the mystery. And so it's almost like a snake eating its own tail. You know what I mean? That old symbolism. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you're you're gaining something and losing something simultaneously. And what I've kind of been thinking about is like, okay, I think there is a balance to be had because at least in our society, if you don't know nothing, it's very scary. Aimlessness is terrifying. It destroys your sense of self, your self-confidence. If you feel like you have no foundation you have no leg to stand on you you feel weak you feel and and again i don't know if this is always the case this might just be when western society the way that we have the story of western society is that that there's power in knowledge and there's confidence in knowledge and leadership requires knowledge The, the ability to confidently say something is powerful and it is and and again it is when, when you can feel it in when someone's talking to you, do they know their shit or do they not know their shit? And it's not even do they know their stuff. It's do they think they know their stuff? Because like you said, someone can get on top of their soapbox, not know anything, but think they know something and speak as if they're a leader and mm. speak as if they know. Yeah. And so there is something maybe literally the trick is that what we what we haven't talked about in our society is can you be the person that is super confident in the fact you know nothing? You can get on your soapbox and be like, I know nothing. And you have the energy and the vibration of someone who knows everything and someone who knows they know everything because that's an aura. That's so, that's literally a, a white hole, as my friend Jit calls it. He's like, confidence is this white hole that is magnetic. People follow you. They will f- literally follow you into battle. And allow themselves to die because they believe in you and they are inspired mm. by your courage. Mm. So there is something to be said for courage and true courage and confidence comes from – maybe it's actually not confidence comes from 
knowing you know something, maybe true confidence just comes from fully accepting where you're at. And, and can you get, can you stand in front of a group and say, I'm okay with knowing nothing? And, and can you be fully behind that statement? And I think, I think people would be drawn to that energy because I, I again, words are just symbols. They're noises. They're noises that we've attached meaning to. So it's not the words that mean anything. It's the, it's the, it's the intention behind the words. It's the energy behind the words. It's the energy of confidence. Confidence is not a thing. It's a vibration. And it's like, can you, again, maybe there are likely cultures around the world, ancient cultures that probably took pride in not knowing anything like gurus, like again, sad guru, Ram Dass. The difference between them and scientists is scientists are always trying to understand and get to the bottom of something. A guru is literally speaking in riddles that the more you look into them, the more they don't make any sense. Their entire vibration is almost a mystery because everything they tell you, the more you look at you, you're like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. And then they laugh and smile at you and they go, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, so it's like, okay. And there's a confidence to that. Like I just saw Sad Guru on Joe Rogan. I was listening to it today. And that was a fascinating conversation because you were in some sense almost getting like a battle. Like a, this is like a Godzilla versus another thing. You're like literally getting Joe Rogan who's like, not prime Western mind, but he, he's sharp. Mm. He's very mm. intelligent. Mm. He's concise with his words. And he is of a lot of the time a scientific mind. He wants to know something. He wants mm. to get to the bottom of it. Sadguru, not necessarily the opposite because he actually does have very much a scientific leaning too. He'll a lot of times speak less in parables than some other people will. But he will a lot of the time speak in this very mysterious way sometimes. Sometimes he will admit, I don't know how it works, but I know it works. And it's just funny because a lot of the time Joe will be the clear leader. He will be the one who's people are kind of wanting to be liked by Joe when there is guests. Mm -hmm. But it's funny because Sadguru, you can tell, does not care about what Joe thinks about him. And Joe does not necessarily care what Sadguru thinks about him. Mm. And they're, they're, aura, their energy about confidence, they're both very confident, but one is coming from, again, this is not perfect, but in some sense, Sadhguru is coming from the confidence of, I know nothing, and I'm confident in the fact I know nothing. And Joe's coming from the confidence of, I know a lot, and I'm confident in what I know. I know I don't know everything, but I'm confident in what I know. And the fact is, I can look at both of them and be magnetically pulled to both but from very different ways. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, look, it's a great question. Can you be confident and know nothing? Um, and you, uh, firstly, thank you for that. Cause it's a podcast that I saw. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. So it's, uh, it's on my list. Podcasts are my, they're my ironing tool. When I'm ironing the clothes, then I play podcasts. Um, you, you know, it's, I'll tell you where my head went because because I think it's such a great question and I think there's a lot to be said about confidence. I mean, you know, it's interesting, especially in today's day and age, with confidence because because uh, when you've got overconfidence, when you've got you know confidence, pseudo arrogance, um, you can start to slip into the realm of narcissism and uh, and there's great charm that sits in narcissism and uh, and we can get wowed by the narcissist, but but is it necessarily a good thing? You know. Um, are they the best leader? But 
it, it as you were talking, I was thinking, um, I was thinking that a question came up for me and it was something you mentioned Alan Watts earlier and, and I love Alan Watts. I, I, I don't know how he, he, he's one of those people I've tried to unpack when I listen to him because I don't know how he gets from A to B, but he does. And, and there's so many great links. He's, he's really good at linking a number of things and you know, really, really strong in, in how he delivers it as well. But he, he, he had something, he said something a while back, which is something I've been thinking about even before he said it. I don't want to say I had the idea. It's, 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 I was obviously just, you know, my, my radar was up. But um, he said, you know, if you're looking for a leader already, there's, there's, there should be alarm bells going off, you know. And, and the, the way I, I always captured it, I kind of realized this in my late 20s, early 30s, reading a lot of autobiographies of people that are, that are, are top casters, heroes, you know, musical heroes, writing heroes, and then just reading about them and just thinking they're just absolute bastards, eh? you know, like, you know, I grew up reading Enid Blyton. And when you see the Enid Blyton autobiography, the film, she's, she was a, a crazy woman. Um, she shouldn't have been writing children's books, you know? Um, and, and so, so I, I, I came to this re realization that don't have heroes. They're going to let you down. They're human. Of course. And it's not a knock on heroes. It's just always be careful about who, where you, where you, you know, who, who you follow or who you chase because they're human. Um, and what, what came up for me while you were talking is, is, you know, yes, confidence. Do you have the confidence to, to you know, um, really be in what you're saying and, and deliver it with, with, with kind of the, 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 the belief that, pe that people can attach themselves to? But can you follow yourself there? You know, that was the, that's the that's kind of the, the like the question that came out for me as you were talking. I was like, yeah, I mean, there are people that I definitely would follow, and there are people I have followed that I've gotten. Why did I follow them? You know, I always remember. I just have to share this with you. In in my youth, I went to a, a youth group, a church group. I wasn't particularly religious, but a friend of mine went there, and there were girls, and I went to all boys' school. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, dude, that, that'll do. Yeah. It. <laughs> I was like. I'm coming, man. And we, we would sit around. This is in the 80s. We'd sit around and we'd watch these Billy Graham videos. Was it Billy Graham or was it um, or was it Graham? Graham someone or Billy Graham? And he was this evangelist. And uh, and they, they just believed in this guy, this whole, this youth group, you know, 40 kids and adults believing in this guy. And then while I was still in the youth group, it came out that he, he, was, uh, he was sleeping around with hookers and he was, you know, and they were all crushed. They were crushed that this human being who was an evangelist and was their kind of channel to God was, was doing this, you know. And I, I was like, wow, gee, that's, we, you, you put so much stock in this guy. And it's not a knock on him. It's just I was back then I was very like, okay, be careful about always following someone. So I could easily follow someone. But where I'm at now is that could I, could I easily follow myself? Mm. Um, and that doesn't mean I have to be a leader. It means do I hold myself accountable? Would I be happy looking at this person outside, you know, and going, this person, this is a this is a good person, you know? Interesting, man. That that's fascinating. And I think we will we'll end it right there because I want to be very careful with your time because we're the yeah. hour's already out, man. Can you yeah, can man. you believe can you believe that? <laughs> did we did we even get to uh, anything we would potentially thought we would get to? Nothing, no, nothing, nothing. And, and dude, I, I love that. We, we just flow, man. And 
Yeah, I, I know with people like you, like like I, I get along with you very much in terms of like I don't even get along with you very much. I get along with your energy. Our our energies just sync up. It's like mm. doesn't matter who Dave is. I just like your like our energies are just like yeah, we're buddies. <laughs> I'm like I don't know anything about him. I don't know what like I not nothing. I, I literally don't barely know anything about you. But I'm yeah. just like I just like I like how I feel in your presence, and I think that's kind of like what friendship really is beneath everything. It's like friendship is just like you like, you just like it. You're like, I, yeah. I feel good around that person. Don't know why. Yeah. Feel good. And we don't I have like to unpack it. We don't have to unpack it. Exactly, man. And that's something, I, that's something I'm really going to play around with more is not unpacking things because yeah. boy, I <laughs> like, I like uh, the idea of knowing things, I, I I like it. That it's it's an addiction. I, I I do think, and you know maybe yeah I don't know maybe deep down I uh, I'm afraid of the unknown, and it's like if I just keep acquiring knowledge. But I, I think literally I I think at this point I'm 26 right now, and I I do believe I'm at a point where I feel like I know enough. I don't know everything. But I know enough that if I didn't learn anything else for the rest of my life, I think I'd survive. And I think I could be happy. I think that if someone's like, okay, you, your wife and kids and a couple of your best friends are going to be shipwrecked on an island in Hawaii. And you're going to have a guitar, a drum set, and you're going to be able to chat with your friends. You're going to go surfing. You're going to be able to – I think I'd be good. I I think I'd be good. As long – I think – if, if I had my kids to kind of – because I do have the teacher archetype. That, that is part of me. I really like being of service in that way. Mm-hmm. I really like – and I don't know. May, maybe I don't even need that. Who knows? Maybe that's something I think I need. But I think I'm at the point now where if I didn't acquire any more pieces of information, I think I'd be okay. And the last thing I'll say about this is literally I even was aware of this with podcasts. I go through these phases where I'll go through a music phase for three months. I will just, I won't listen to any podcasts. I'll just listen to music whenever I'm on walks, whatever. I just, I'm enthralled. And then I'll go, and then I'll be done. And I'll go through a craving of information phase for about three months, sometimes longer, a lot of time longer. And I'll be just, I am absorbing information like a sponge. And I'm listening to spiritual podcasts, psychological. I'm just learning. I'm just obsessed like every morning i wake up i'm like i can't wait to get back to paul check and learn about this piece of the the reality and then what i notice is after about a certain period of time just like you can eat too much food and you can Mm. become full i can consume too much information that the idea of listening to paul check will make me almost want to mentally vomit it's like too much i'm like oh like way too much and i've been in that phase for now two months i have not listened to any informational podcast in about two to three months and i'm not ready to go back yet i i, mm. I was thinking about listening to paul check today and i was like mm, not feeling it i and so i went to joe rogan instead because what i like about joe is he he can be funny and so I, i'll listen to just him with a comedian him with a mm. just someone mm. funny duncan trussell where they have a philosophical spiritual undertone but they're not necessarily learning anything they're more just having fun talking about the universe and cracking jokes and i'm like okay i'm in this headspace right now where i'm still digesting all of the information that i consumed three months ago because i was on a bender 
mm-hmm. of consuming information. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious um, about kind of that balance. You know what I mean? That's the last thing I'll say. Any last comments about that before we finish up? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, uh, firstly, I do love your energy. You've got a great energy. And 26, man, you uh, you got your whole life. It's amazing. It, uh, I, I, my, my 26-year-old is looking at you with awe going, what, look, what were you doing when you were 26? <laughs> you're you're <laughs> um, on your journey, man. You're past. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's in- interesting just from a, from a Rudolf Steiner uh, perspective, from anthroposophical perspective, we had very similar stages just in very different places. So, you know, he 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 talks of um, he talks of life happening in seven year cycles, and then you you capture each uh, uh, this is each life is in seven year cycles, but then there's three seven year cycles, and then you complete one phase. So and then you start again. And so what you are in is you are in your first cycle of the second phase. So it's almost like what you were going through between naught and seven, you're kind of going through again. So learning about the world. I mean, that's what happens between naught and seven, learning about the world, learning about your space. And that's that's what you're in at the moment. You're craving it, but from a very different perspective. You're in a very soul perspective. That's what happens between 21 and 28 is that the soul starts to get involved. That between, But 21 below is all physicality. So you are in a very soulful space of learning about the world. And ironically, I'm now in the 42 to, to 49 gap. That's the beginning of the seven-year cycle of the third phase. And so I'm also, but I'm in, I'm in the spirit side of things. So, um, and I, where my space is in is, is very strong in kind of imagination, but your space is the imagination, but from a very soul perspective. So when you talk about just wanting to drink in that information, then you kind of feel overstuffed in it and then go back to music. You, you're doing the same thing with music, by the way. Your, your brain's figuring something out, um, but you're really in that space of learning about this world. But but not 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 to seven, which is how does my arms work? How does you know <laughs> how do I read the cues? This is about how do we how do we go deeper? How do we find soul? Um, and and the fact that you say at 26, I'm feeling this is amazing because at 28 you switch. You then go into the 14. To 21 you know and think about yourself sorry 7 to 14 7 to 14 you become gangly you get pimples you try to figure out love so that's going to be your 28 to to a 35 stretch so it's wonderful at 26 that you've got that insight it's really amazing wow man that, that that's mm. fascinating dude you're gonna have to come on the podcast again man i i just i love these conversations but uh yeah so is there anything you know, this is usually the time of the podcast where I allow the guests to plug whatever they're working on, if they're an entrepreneur or something. And um, is there anything that you want to share with my audience? Is there anything you're working on that you want awareness to? I'm just going to give you the space to to do what you will with this part. Yeah, so I'm, I won't go into too much detail because um, – but Seth Godin has a book called The Practice, and one of his big things of creativity in the practice is to ship it. So if you create it, that's great, but you got to get it out to the world. And so based on that journey, I've decided to start shipping a few of my silly ideas. Um, and so I've got a website. Uh, it's thelovebombcorporation.com. And basically, it's everything me on that website. It's not for, it's just for enjoyment. Dude. Well, yeah, thelovebombcorporation.com. I'll write it down in the description below. Well, uh, well, dude, Dave, this this was literally amazing, man. I, I love this conversation, man. I had a great time. Yeah, me too. I really, really enjoyed it. I said to my wife before I came, I was like, 
we kind of got a guidance to this, but I know last time we just, just to say, to meet each other and see how we're going to unpack this was just wonderful. So I said, I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm really excited. So thank you. Thanks just for creating a very, very cool space. And yeah, sure enough, we we didn't touch on literally a single question, like like literally nothing here at all. But hey, man, that that's the beauty. I feel like I feel like that's almost better. I feel like because again, we're living in the moment. Like if if we were to like, okay, let's go to the questions. We're living in the past. We're living in a past space, a past timeline, a past creation. All those questions were written by an old me. And me two days ago, you know what I mean? That's not the present vibration that I have. That's getting woo woo, but that's (laughs) what's cool about like not following an outline is that you, it's the most up to date version of who you are right now. But anyway, I don't want to say too much because then we will go on a whole other tangent. So (laughs) anyway, I love you and I love everybody that's watching. So I'll see you again. Peace. Yeah. Thanks, Anton.